Okay, the Good Samaritan, a story within a story within a story. Story one, a story about a lawyer with a question for Jesus. When they say lawyer, the actual Greek is an expert in the law. When they say law, they're not talking about like law, we think of it, they mean biblical law, the law of the Torah. So as much as we would like to use today to make fun of attorneys, they're actually talking about like a biblical scholar, right? And this guy's got a question for Jesus, and his question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a reasonable question. It's a good question. It's a hard question. And Jesus will not answer it directly, right? This happens all the time in the Gospels. People are always asking Jesus questions, and he almost never answers directly. Usually he responds with a question of his own or with a story. This is supposedly a very effective teaching technique. My dad used to do this to us all the time when we were little. It would drive me crazy. Like if he would say, he's a kindergarten teacher. So he'd say, Dad, how do you spell unique? And you know what he would say? He'd say, how do you think it's spelled? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, as an aside, I texted, I sent him a text message last night. said, Dad, I need help for a sermon. Uh, what do you call that thing you always did where when a kid asks you a question, instead of answering, you ask them a question to get them to figure it out for themselves? I need a legitimate sounding educational term. You know what he texted back, right? What do you think, what do you think would be a good term for that? Um, any other children of educators here? So rough, really trying, trying childhood. So anyways, in this first story, Jesus uses this technique, which is called reflective listening, by the way, (laughs) uses this technique to great effect. So instead of answering, he throws the question back to the lawyer, right? Well, what do you read in the scriptures? What does it say there? So the man quotes from the Jewish scriptures. He quotes from Leviticus and Deuteronomy about how loving God and loving your neighbor are pretty much the most important things that you can do. And Jesus responds, yeah, pretty much, or something like that. So this should be the end of the story, right? Like, what, what is left to do? The man asks the question. Jesus asks the man a question about his question. The man answers the question about his question. Jesus says he's got it right. The end. But it's not. This is getting interesting, right? Aren't you glad you came to church today? It's not over because the man, wanting to justify himself, says, what's his next question? And who is my neighbor? Ah, Now we're starting to see this man has an agenda, right? All of this back and forth and the question and answer and love your neighbor, blah, blah, blah. This is all a setup to get him to what he really wants to ask Jesus, which is essentially to say, yeah, we can go back and forth on Torah all day long and we can both agree that loving our neighbor is the way to get eternal life, but you and I both know we don't even agree on who our neighbor even is. Now, Jesus could easily have said, everybody's your neighbor, the end. But he doesn't. Instead, he tells a story, and he gets the man to answer his own question. So the first story is about a man with a question, a teacher who refuses to give a straight answer. It's about how most of the things we ask, we already know the answer to. It's a story about how The most important things in life are very simple and very hard. 
And often, we avoid or hide the hard things by trying to make them seem more complicated than they actually are. But inside that story is another story, right? It's a story about a man who's traveling along the road and gets beaten by robbers and left for dead. And so then what happens, right? A priest comes by, and what does he do? Walks by on the other side. Then a Levite comes by, that's like kind of like a priest's assistant, also part of the religious leaders. And what does he do? Same thing, walks around on the other side. So they're the bad guys, right? That's the point of this story, that they're the bad guys because they didn't stop and help. Maybe, but I'm not totally sure. Because, so the man's been beaten, right? So he's probably bloody. And in Bible times, if you came into contact with someone else's blood, you were then ceremonially unclean for a period of time. And to do their work, serve their community, the priest and the Levite, they need to remain ceremonially clean. So when they come across this guy, they have kind of a dilemma, which is, do we help this one person and then be unable to help anyone else for a period of time? Or do we help just this one man right in front of us? I don't know what the right answer to that is. That's a tough call. But I do think that any reading of this that makes them the bad guys kind of misses the point. Because what happens next? A third person comes along. And you know who it should be, right? It should be a lawyer. And then Jesus could say, so you see, your neighbor is anybody in need who you pass by. But it's not, because that's not the point of the story. Who is the third person who comes along? The third person is, wait for it, a Samaritan. You knew. A Samaritan. And in Bible times, if you're someone who lives in Israel, a Samaritan is, I don't know what the equivalent would be today, like ISIS. Or, or like a gang member, or people who kick puppies, right? If you're from Israel, someone from Samaria is the worst of the worst of the worst. And people from Samaria felt the same way about Israel. This was a hatred that went back for generations and generations and generations, and it ran really, really deep. But in the story Jesus tells, the Samaritan is the one who stops and helps the Samaritan is the one who becomes the hero of the story. What? So this is the story about a man and how he is saved by the very person who should hate him the most and how, according to Jesus, that person is his neighbor. It's powerful stuff. And of course... Inside both of those stories is one more story. And that's our story. And I think ours is a story of people who, if we saw someone who was injured like that by the side of the road, we would probably, hopefully, stop and help. I think most of us would. And is ours the story of people who, if we were beaten and lying by the side of the road, if we're struggling or vulnerable in any way, would we let someone else help us? even someone that we were uncomfortable with? I'm not quite as sure about that one, maybe. I, it's a lot, I think it's a lot easier to stomach helping someone you don't want to help than receiving help from someone you don't want to receive help from, but if we really needed it, maybe we would. 
But ours is also the story of people who just, because of the way we live, because of the neighborhoods we live in, because of the stores we shop at, the schools we go to, the places we travel to, we're probably not ever going to be on the same road as that man who's beaten. And we might not ever be in a position to receive help from someone from Samaria unless we're really intentional about going and seeking that out for ourselves. So a story within a story within a story, and with each story, we look for answers, and Jesus throws back questions, right? To the man from Samaria, will you serve your enemy? To the man who's beaten, will you let your enemy serve you? To the man with the question, who are you counting out that God is counting in? And to us, how are you going to meet your neighbors? How are you going to serve them? And more importantly, and maybe harder, how are you going to let them serve you? So the first story with the guy with the question, it seems like a story about how we get eternal life. But it's not. Because eternal life isn't something you get. It's something that you're given and you already have been. It's a story about how you are already in. And the story about the man from Samaria seems like a story about how we should help those in need, but it's not. It's a story about how everybody else is already into, even and especially the people that you wish weren't. And our story, that is a story that God is still writing. But when it's finished, may it be the story of people who both give and receive without limits. It may be the people, the story of a people who, anytime we're in doubt, we always choose mercy.